In today's show, we're talking Detroit Pistons for the upcoming season, the fantasy sleepers, the fantasy busts, things we're looking into in a deep, deeper dive on Cade Cunningham. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com. You can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble, on TikTok at RedRock underscore Beeble, and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50-plus infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. Thank you also for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and we are available on all platforms. So we're going to talk Detroit Pistons, get into what the hell we're going to expect out of this team, how we can draft them, all that sort of stuff as well as provide you an opportunity to enter into the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Bowl. The invites for those are slowly trickling out. If you also did win an invite to the FBI LOFB Fantasy World Cup, uh, the guys over at FBI are handling those invites. I believe they should be coming at some point this week to get into the World Cup. I know that uh, I've got my spot in the World Cup, so your invites should be coming very, very soon. And there's going to be more of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Bowl invites coming as well. I've sent out about 60 of those so far. There's going to be more of them coming. In fact, we might as well just talk about the bowl right now. Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> All right, just a quick update again. Later in the show, there'll be a specific question for you to answer. The entry form, don't email me. The entry form is in linked in the show notes on audio or in the YouTube description. Click the link, fill it out. Simple as that. You can enter both a category and a points league if you like. It's $50 entry, 18-man rosters, 10 starters, 8 bench, slow draft, 40 games cap max per week, hard cap, standard 9-category format or ESPN points format. $200 entry if you finish top two after the playoffs in your division. And then you get into the final battle royal for a big, big uh, payout there at the end if you do get through. Remember, later on, we'll talk about that. Let's talk Detroit Pistons. Let's look at their schedule. It's not great. It's to be expected. It's the Pistons. They're not particularly good. They do have 45 quality games, which is better than a lot of the other bad teams. Like, for example, the Charlotte Hornets have 40. The Bulls have 43. Pistons get 45. Okay, that's not bad. That's better. It's not, t- it's not great, but it's not bad. They have 15 back-to-backs. I don't think there's anyone that's a real risk there. I don't think it's a routine thing that they're going to sit Cade Cunningham or Jaden Ivey or even Boyan Bogdanovich, but they do have 15 back-to-backs, which can lead to worse play and sloppier play. That's probably more of the concern. And in terms of their max weeks, they have 13 max weeks, which is on the low end. The most is 16. The... The least is 12, so they're on the low end. Not not dreadful. Their playoff schedule is okay. 3-4-4 if you end on the 24th of March. 4-4-3 if you end on the 31st. That's the most in that period. Then they go 4-3-4 to end on Yahoo Default 7th April. And 3-4-4 to end on ESPN Default. So overall, the schedule is okay. It's not, it's not dreadful. It's not fantastic. It's okay. What are the pressure points? What's the... um? 
What's the drone view on the projections? What are the things we don't really know that there could be questions about? One of them is what difference does Monty Williams as a head coach make to the rotations? What does he do in terms of the front court? What does he do in terms of ball handling, play calling, getting shooters on the court? How does that impact things? Because we don't know. Yes, he did certain things in Phoenix, but the talent in Phoenix is very different to the talent in Detroit. Although there are some similar players. What's his thoughts on the two bigs? Because his mate, old mate GM Troy Weaver, loves it. That's why he acquired them all. Does Monty believe in it? He didn't in Phoenix at all. He's playing Jay Crowder at the four, Cam Johnson at the four. How much nonsense of Duran, Wiseman, Duran, Bagley, Wiseman, Bagley, Stewart, Duran, how much of that are we going to see? We don't know. At this point, I'm projecting Isaiah Stewart to start next to Duran, but... I'm losing, I'm wavering on that, which is good. He shouldn't start. But I, I don't know how Monty's going to approach that. That is a big question mark. Hopefully, we get some information on that um, through training camp before we get into the real serious time of drafting for fantasy. But it's still a pretty big question uh, at this point as to where we are. Today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. The Jace case. The Jace case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use. It's very easy to get one of these because we all want in an emergency situation to be able to care for ourselves and our family. You go online to Jace Medical, you fill out a simple online form and have a chat to their uh, board-certified physicians, doctors, and have a chat to them. And then during the process, you can always get in contact with them. There's delivery supply through uh, authorized pharmacies as well to get this uh, medication out to you. It's a doctor-created program. It's doctor-recommended as well. And one of the things is you just don't want to be in a situation where you need it and you don't have it. We're not talking everyday little things where you've got a slight sniffle and you go, maybe I get antibiotics. Hey, as a general, don't get antibiotics for, for things like that. That's not what it's for. This is for situations where you're stranded. Your roads are cut off because of a flood, because of an earthquake, bushfire, cyclone, typhoon, whatever it is, pandemic. Can't get to see a doctor, but you've got something that is literally life-threatening. And Jace Medical, the Jace case, will have those antibiotics for you at home. And then you talk to the doctors and know which ones you've got to take. You save more than $360 as well by getting these life-saving antibiotics with the Jace Medical case, the Jace case, and an additional 20 bucks off using the code Locked On at checkout at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. And the promo is Locked On. It's time to talk breakout candidates. What do I mean by breakout candidates? As you're well aware, I hope by now, it's when you're looking at projections, who are the guys that have a real chance to blow through those numbers? That it's not that hard to see how they can get better than where they currently are. Like you look at Boyan Bogdanovich's numbers, very hard for me to see significant increases without injuries. I look at even a guy like Jaden Ivey. A little bit harder for me to look at his numbers and go, wow, I can really see all these things absolutely blowing up. Maybe. But I can see it. I can see it for Cade Cunningham. My name is Richie Cunningham. Cunningham averaged 20 and 6 with 6 assists last season. He shot under 30% from 3 and like 42% from the field. He is a very good free throw shooter. He can get you 1.2, 1.3 steals. Not bad blocks for a guard. It's not hard to see Cade, even if you don't think that he's a 40% three-point shooter. Can he be a 35% guy? He was 40% at Oklahoma State. We heard the reports of him cooking the Team USA guys at camp. He was the number one ranked prospect in his draft year, the number one pick in the draft, the number one prospect for many years leading up to his draft. And I think he's just being overlooked and discounted. 
if you average 24 points, six rebounds, seven assists, 1.3 steals, 2.2 threes, shoot 45 and 87 from the line on six attempts, well, you're a top 15 player, right? There's a lot of ifs in that, but that's what we're talking about. Now, you've got to be really careful. And please, I'm going to be very... We're going to, we're going to put Kate under the lens soon. I'm going to be very, very clear on this. Do not draft Cade Cunningham in the first round. Don't even consider it. Even in the second round, I, I wouldn't do it. You don't have to have Cade Cunningham. I think there is a legitimate chance that he could end up with fantastic numbers. Look at what Anthony Edwards has been doing or is projected to even do this season. There is absolutely no reason that Cade can't do that, but with more assists which is a better fantasy player. There is no reason that can't happen. But you don't draft it hoping that that happens. If you get him at the late third round, early fourth round, I think there's actually value in that. And I feel okay in terms of safety with his floor. He's going to turn the ball over. I know that. But you're all well aware of my ideas on turnovers in value in players. And if you are going to punt assists, your turnovers are automatically going to drop anyway. So that's a different story. Then Cade loses that value for you in that scenario. So I think it's not hard to see 24, 6, and 7, 1.2 steals, 2.2 threes, 45, 85. Not hard. That's a, that is a breakout for Cade, even above where I'm projecting him. And the same goes with Duran. I think Jalen Duran, who remains one of the youngest players in the NBA, younger than Brandon Miller, Asar Thompson, and Men Thompson, still not 20, could go crazy. The problem is this organization. If they committed to saying we don't need the Wisemans to be getting minutes and cutting in. We want Duran to play 32. We want him to play 33 a night. We want to really see that, which we keep hearing about, this pick-and-roll chemistry with Cade develop. Well, he's legitimately got top 50 upside this season. Now, of course, do not, for the love of God, pick Jalen Duran, the passport legend, at pick 50. Get him at 90. Get him at 100. He was a much better shot blocker at Memphis as well. Those numbers were down last season. I think he's got a little bit of passing flash at some point in his career too. Probably not this season. Shooting, I doubt it, but he's not a disaster. He's not a disaster free throw guy. He's an unbelievably strong rebounder. He's a good defender. He's very smart positionally. Yeah, peak Rudy Gobert was an elite defender, and Duran's never going to get that. But in terms of overall numbers, he could approach it maybe with fewer blocks. Maybe maybe not this season, but... Okay, so what's Pete Gobert was like 17 and 12? 14 and 10 for Duran? 1.6 blocks? 60%, 70 from the line, maybe? That's uh, possible. And all, all it really takes is common sense. It's so we're, we're not playing Bagley and Wiseman to cut into Duran's minutes. We're letting him and Cade and Ivy and Asar run together and develop. It might not happen. There's risk in it. That's why you take him in the 90s. But it's very clear, I think, um, breakout potential for both Cade Cunningham and Jalen Duran. And that leaves us or leads us to put Cade under the lens. This is what you guys voted for, is to hear about Cade. And we're looking at some of his numbers last season. There's not much of it because he played 12 games, but there's still enough in this, and we're going to look more at some other graphs later on, to get some information out of it. Because 
Everyone will tell you, every man of their dog would tell you what an absolute disaster it was with Cade Cunningham. And I was big on him. Absolutely, I'll own that. I thought he was a third-round sort of player last season. I was expecting a big step forward. In his first 12 games, he, he had some struggles. The shot just wasn't there. I'm also not willing to say, well, that's just who he was going to be for the next 70, because that's not how any of that stuff works. All right? It was a disaster, and then he hurt his leg, and he was done for the year. I'm not worried about that leg injury. Bradley Beal, Drew Holiday, plenty of players have had that issue. The surgery, the reason he had the surgery is it stops recurrence. So I'm not worried about that injury in the slightest. Of course, he could get injured in any other way, but that's not a concern to me. What I want to look at here, he had, I think well, the thing we remember with Kate also is that the first couple of games of the season, he really struggled. And then the last couple of games before he was finished his season for injury, he struggled. And they bookended the season. The first thing you saw, I'm like, what is going on with this bloke? And then the last thing you saw is, Jesus, this is a dreadful game. But in the middle, he was actually all right. On the screen there is the usage percentage each week. 26 in week one, 33 in week two, 28 in week three. Also remember, Jaden Ivey was playing there. Boyan Bogdanovich was there. Everyone was there. Cade was the man. Now, yes, Ivey was a rookie and he's going to be a different player in year two, all that sort of stuff. But he was running at 33, 28, 29 usage in the last three weeks, 26 in week one. All really high usage numbers. The absolute stud players will get 29-30. He can do it. He can run that sort of usage this season. We look at the next thing, which is his minutes. Pretty strong minutes the first three weeks. Like, not bad. And then week four, I include this to show you that week four is when everything hit the fan and when he got hurt and he didn't play. Field goal percentage. This, again, illustrates what I said. Week one, dreadful. Week two, closing up to 50%. Week three, 43. And then the last week, 28%. Bad first week, bad last week. The two in the middle, really strong. And when you when I show you the minus one rankings for Cade, it'll give you that indication. Because in week one, yeah, he was 50th. Week two, he was 21st. The next week, 63rd. And then outside top 200 because he didn't play. Now, is it grasping at straws to say, well, he had a one week where he's the 21st ranked player? A little bit, yeah. Admittedly so. It's ridiculously small sample. But... So are the other bad weeks. What this is more illustrative of is that it is possible. It's not an impossibility for Cade to be that player. I'm not saying it's likely, but it's not impossible. We can very easily do it. Even though there were concerns of a struggle from Cade last season, his Darko DPM graph is interesting. Actually, I'll leave that on the screen. I probably should read through some of his numbers. Even though, again, he struggled. 45th in per game Yahoo points. 58th in ESPN categories, 60 uh, ESPN points, and 60th in head-to-head category leagues as well. What did he actually average last season, Cade? 33 minutes, 20 points, 1.4 threes, 6.2 rebounds, 6 assists, 0.8 steals, 0.6 blocks on 42 and 84. All right, 84 from the line, I feel really comfortable with that being the number for him. 6 rebounds and 6 assists. That assist number can actually improve. 33 minutes, the studs play 35-36. Look at Devin Booker's minutes playing under Monty Williams. So he's got minute upside as well. And then he shot 28% from three and 47% from two. Is he just that bad of a shooter? Even the most hardened Cade skeptic would say no. Now the Cade optimist would say, well, he can actually be a 40% three-point shooter and shoot 57 from two. And I think that's probably gone too far. But 52 from two, 33 from three, 34 from three. That's reasonable, surely. And then that makes him 25 points, two threes, six rebounds, six assists, 
And then he averaged over 1.1 steals in a rookie season and was down to 0.8 in those 33 minutes. And we know steals vary quite a bit, especially in a 12-game sample. So despite what you may have heard of it being a disaster, it's more of a disaster because he played only 12 games. A bloke being 60th after 12 games does not preclude him finishing the season as a top 40, top 30, top 20 player. So you'll have a lot of, and I tell you what, another thing is, there's a lot of like, well, he's vegan. I'm not drafting him. It means he's going to get hurt all the time. Come on. Surely, surely not. But people do say that. Oh, he's always injured. He's never going to be able to shoot. And I would just say all those things are bullshit. We do have actual history of him being able to shoot. It still needs to happen. And that's why I'm saying don't take him round one or round two. Back in round three, round four, totally. But I feel really good about there being a safety in the floor there. He's very good. He's a very good player. I think he can actually turn into a much better player than he has been. And even though there were, again, concerns of his struggle, the Darko DPM change graph shows a consistent improvement. And once you're above that line of zero, that, that is this is a graph of the slope of improvement. So just continuing to improve, even through those early season struggles, Darko was still liking him as a player improving because he put up 20 and six with six assists. It's not easy to do in 33 minutes as a second year player. It's pretty bloody hard, in fact. And it was the shooting, which was really just quite poor. And I reckon we can find 10-game samples of any player who sh- who have bad shooting. Like shoot 41% over a 10-game sample. But that doesn't mean that's what it's going to be the rest of their season. Be really careful of taking too much out of a 12-game sample. Either way, be, just be really cautious of it. This next graph is it's a little crowded because I wanted to include rookie season and second season for Kate because the second season was only 12 games as I've mentioned plenty of times and there are a lot of names on this graph let's talk about the x-axis it's the percentage of time that he was on ball meaning he had the ball in his hands he was creating running the offense the y-axis is basketball indexes three-point shooting talent percentile it's not just percentage it's difficulty of shots it's um, shot clock uh, guardedness pull up versus catch and shoot all that sort of stuff The ideal optimum outcome for Cade Cunningham are the two blokes, not the blocks, the two blokes in the top right corner, Jim Harden and Luka Doncic. That is optimized Cade. 27, 7, 8.5, 9. That's exactly what Luka and Harden sort of do. Well, they do a little bit more, but that's optimized Cade. On the ball all the time, like Harden and Luka, with elite three-point shooting talent, like Harden and Luka. Cade, as you can see, is sort of in the middle of this graph with his two different seasons. And there's a bunch of other guys that I've put around here that I think are worth comparing him to. A former number one overall pick, Markel Fultz, last two seasons. Last season, Fultz, right down in the bottom right corner, he was on ball a lot, but he can't shoot. Fultz the year before that had a better shooting percentile, but wasn't on ball as much. And what we can see, Cade last season is this one to the far right. So his three-point shooting did drop, but he was still on ball like 96%, or 96 percentile in terms of being on ball which is more than, and there's a big cluster of guys at the top. And that cluster of players up the top left, which are really high in terms of three-point shooting percentile, but lower on ball, all around 80%. It's the last two seasons of Zach Levine, the last two seasons of Anthony Edwards, and the last two seasons of Jason Tatum. Why did I include those guys? They're players who sometimes serve as initiators working on ball who are prime number one scoring options. Cade works on ball more than all of those guys. Now, he's not the three-point shooter that those players are, but he works on ball more, meaning that if the shooting could push up, even to that 80% mark, the fact that he's closer to like a Luka and Harden in terms of on ball, or even Fultz, in terms of on ball, 
pass, and we know the passing stuff comes with that, leads you to show why there is a chance for a guy like a Levine who can hover back in fantasy rankings because of some of those issues. Now, Tatum pushes up because of the, the high volume scoring. But Cade's on-ball percentage is quite high. It's just that the shooting needs to push up. The guy that's very far here on the left is Scott Barnes, who plays significantly more off-ball than what Cade did both years and a worse shooter in both seasons as well. And he's a guy that's a bigger player that's going to be, I assume, expected to play more point guard this season, but well behind the level of what Cade has already been at. Yet, there'll be plenty of people who believe that Scotty Barnes is going to be a better player. We don't know whether that's right or not, but there's going to be plenty of people who actually believe that. So I hope that's somewhat illuminating. He wants, We want him to get up to the Harden Luca area. He already dominates the ball more than Anthony Edwards, Zach Levine, and Jason Tatum. And he's better than better shooter than Fultz and a better shooter and ball initiator than Scott Barnes. Room for plenty of improvement, but I yeah, wouldn't be riding Kate off at this point. Today's episode is brought to you by Fangel Sportsbook. Snap into action this NFL season with Fangel, America's number one sportsbook. Because right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. You can go and have a look at the future MVP odds for the future MVP. No, not Kyle Kuzma, Tua Tagovailoa in the NFL. Or the Dolphins to win the Super Bowl again. First time in 50 years? Yeah, about 50 years. I hope we can get one. Money lines, spreads. Over-unders, futures, player props. It's all over there, all over at Fangio. There's never been a better time to get in on the action. So visit Fangio.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. Fangio is an official partner of the NFL and don't forget to gamble responsibly. Let's talk sleepers. I didn't include Jalen Duran on this list because I think he's probably situated in the right spot mostly around that 90 spot after some adjustments. I do want to talk about Asar Thompson. I think he's talking to you. Asar Thompson is ranked very low. Very low. 222. In fact, thank you, Mr. Benno. Two for 222. 222 on Yahoo. His ADP is 141, which even that I think is a little low. Fantrax's ADP is 138. ESPN category, who have updated their rankings today, both categories and points. He's ranked 165th on category league rankings and 162nd on points leagues. And his ADP on ESPN is 130. To me, he's a round 11 player. I don't know that Asar is going to start. I think it's going to be pretty rocky early on, honestly. But if you are willing, and this is a general tenant that I like to have in fantasy as well, just don't be afraid to lose the first two weeks just to let things settle in and see what's going on. If you're going to lose them, lose them. You, you cycle through guys, you grab some waiver wire, you see what happens. Don't be shocked when you lose those first couple of weeks. Grabbing him round 12, it, it might not work out. He might not start immediately. He might play 20 minutes off the bench and shoot 40 and 60 from the field in the line. That might be a disaster. But I, I want that upside that Asar Thompson can bring. Steal numbers, block numbers, rebound numbers, assist numbers. You don't get many players who give you all four of those. And if he plays 30 minutes, I think you're going to get pretty good numbers. Like, 6, 5, 1.4, 1. Rebounds, assists, steals, blocks in 30 minutes, I guess. The percentages will be rough. He might hit two threes, but he might only score 12 points a game. But there is opportunity to really stuff the stat sheet there for categories. Now, it's less interesting for Asar in points leagues because he's not a volume scorer. I still think there's value in him, ranked at 222. 
but not quite as good for fantasy categories or not quite as good for points as he is for fantasy categories. I've also included Cade on here, but not as a blanket sleeper. Because on Yahoo, he's ranked 32. On Fantrax, he's got an ADP of 33. Category leagues on ESPN, he's 34. And while I don't think that's necessarily bad, I also don't think there's really a huge value in it. Now, my Durant metric does have him place top 20. So there is, I guess there is upside. I've already talked that maybe he hits first round, but this doesn't scream sleeper. Yahoo's ADP at 42 is nice. His points league rank is at 49 on ESPN is very good, but his ADP on ESPN at 74 is insane. Like that is a great spot to be getting Kate Cunningham. Again, third round feels okay. I'd love it if I got him in round four. I don't need to have him. I just, I don't. If someone's going early, I'll let it slide. No worries with that. I'm not taking round one, round two, Kate. I'm not even though I expect that there is a decent enough chance that he could finish there. But when you're looking at a rank of 49 on ESPN points and ADP of 74, well, that's where the value comes in. I even think that 42 on Yahoo ADP is pretty decent value. It's pretty decent value there when you're talking category leagues. And that brings us to a quick little question that is needs to be answered in the, um, in the entry for the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Bowl. Be the first question you see... Just drop this number in there. You don't need to give me a full spiel of anything. What I need you to tell me is what number pick in the draft was Killian Hayes? And you can't answer too high. You've got to give the exact answer, which is seven. So all you have to write in that box on the entry form is seven. What was the well, what draft pick was Killian Hayes when he was drafted? And the answer is that you need to put in onto the list on uh, onto the entry form for the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Bowl is seven. I think that Boyan Bogdanovich is a bust. He was pretty good last season. There's, I'm not going to debate that. He averaged almost 22 points. He hit two threes. He shot 49 and then 89 or 88 from the line on five attempts. That's an elite number on pretty good volume. That was by far his best category, free throw percentage. We know there's some wonky week-to-week variance with free throws, but also if he's not getting there five times a game, he's not he's not that good. He's also unlikely to be rolling with a 26 usage with a second-year Jaden Ivey and a full season of Kate Cunningham. His position on some of these spots is a little off. Now, he's ranked at 122 on Yahoo. That falls into my take-a-last-round flyer pick. I'm not sure that he actually has enough upside to be a top 100 guy like he was last season. So I'm not even sure I'd want him there. His ADP at 133 is okay. Fantrax 127, probably a bit higher. I'm more going to focus on 108 on Yahoo. Oh, sorry, on ESPN for category leagues. There's no way I'm taking him round nine. That's the end of round nine, side of round 10. I'm, I'm, that's just no way. He might. He's probably going to start, but he also could get traded into a much smaller role on another team. And I just don't, there's no value in that. Everything that he was able to do last season was basically because A, Cade was hurt, and B, Jaden Ivey was a rookie. And those two things aren't happening at the moment. Not to downgrade Boyan too much, but he is 34, and he's probably more likely to be a 22-23 usage player, which drops free throw attempts, drops scoring, drops threes, and he averaged under four assists and two and a half, sorry, under four rebounds, two and a half assists, and half a steal. Like he can't buoy himself up without usage. So I just, I'm not interested in taking him. And I think the upside of a 34-year-old is relatively limited. That's part of why I'm just not interested. The injury we're going to look at is Cade in his shin. He's fully healthy. I've been told that multiple times. So I'm not really worried about that. I'm not worried about recurrence of the injury. He had surgery to fix that. 
Um, Cade's brother was on the Locked On Pistons podcast a few months ago talking with Koo and discussed a lot about his training and the injury. No, no worries about that whatsoever, but that is something that, of course, did happen last season, so we've got to mention it. In terms of trades, there were two ones. They could, have, they could trade away Bogdanovich. If I was there, I'd be looking to move on from Bagley or Wiseman or Stewart or one of those players. But I think Alec Burks is a pretty strong option to be dealt as well. Alec Burke. And the problem here is there are two guys who are probably going to be traded are Burks and Bogdanovich. And the thing that they need back is shooting. And their two best shooters, two of their best three shooters, are Burks and Bogdanovich. And their third shooter is just as old in Joe Harris. So what they need is, whether it's Burks being traded or Harris being traded or Bogdanovich being traded, they just need shooters who are young, not ones who are 34, 35, 33. Burks is a guy that can help a contender unbelievably. But where the hell does he work on this team with Cunningham? They just drafted Marcus Sasser. They got Monte Morris. There's Jaden Ivey. Where does Burks fit anywhere there? So you'd probably want to try and cash in and get some younger floor-spacing shooters back. Bunch of guys are out of contract. Monte Morris, Alec Burks, and Joe Harris. All those veterans, all pretty good shooters. Monte, low volume. They're all unrestricted free agents. And then the restricted guys is Wiseman, Hayes, and Livers. So... Very interesting spot. They're not surely they're not going to extend Wiseman or Hayes before the deadline. Are they going to play them? I don't think Hayes is going to be in the rotation, and I don't know where the Wiseman is. Livers should be, but he can A never stay healthy, and B, whenever he's out there, he's like the low usage legend. He's like 12%, never touches it, never aggressive. When he he would be, like if they did trade Bogdanovich, having Livers and Asar Thompson play the three and the four. He's like a pretty good combo of guys to fit around Ivy, Cade, and Durant. But he's just so passive and struggles to stay healthy. I haven't given up hope completely on Livers, but he'd want to start doing something. What are the risks in the rotation? Well, I mentioned Alec Burks already. There is a risk that he gets overplayed by Monty because he is a really good player. And that would impact the value of a Cade. We'll stop Cade going. Cade's going to play minutes, but it might stop him going from 33 to 36. It might impact what Jaden Ivy does. It might even impact like Monte Morris, who's not really going to be a 12-team target for us. Morris goes strictly. There are people who will be like, hey, maybe Morris could start on this team and Ivy comes off the bench. I, there is almost no way that happens. Morris is very, very... Morris is not a starting point guard. We saw that last season. In fact, it's almost time to break out the Monte Morris voice because as a starting point guard, he plays 27 minutes a night and he just provides absolute mid-value right across the board. And that's just nothing you want to put out there. What I want to see is how Ivy and Cunningham can work together. And I'm sure that's what Monty and Troy, and Tom Gores all want to find out. But there is an, a risk with coaches always of like, oh, this guy's a veteran. He's actually pretty good. Maybe we just keep playing him. That's a risk. The other risk is what if Weaver puts his thumb on the scale? That's my thumb, not finger. Put his thumb on the scale and says, I want, I want Wiseman Bagley together. I want to see what they can do. Don't you know Wiseman's a former number overall two, uh, number two overall pick? Or Bagley-Wiseman combos, or Bagley-Duran combos. Too much of the worst thing you could possibly witness on a basketball court. Any of it, in fact, is going to be too much for me. But that impacts Duran, impacts Stewart, impacts Asar, impacts Bogdanovich, impacts all of them. Impacts the entire team because it makes them the worst potential offense in the NBA if we get Duran and Wiseman playing together. Quickly, I'll address it now. Don't draft James Wiseman in fantasy for the love of God. Someone said, hey, he's good pick in round 12. No, 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 no. Round 12 of a 50-team league, maybe. But absolutely not. Like, he is bad. He's bad at basketball. He has, doesn't seem to have any... Like he can go out there and he'll wow you much exactly. This is why I call him 
James Wiseman Sr., James Wiseman Jr., Marvin Bagley III, Marvin Bagley IV. Because they do the same things. They can score and they can get rebounds. And they jump high and we go, ooh, that looks cool. Um, Wiseman's way worse than Bagley, by the way. But they can't shoot. They can't pass ever. They don't know how to defend in space. They don't even know how to protect the rim very well. Wiseman's better than Bagley. They demand post-up touches that hijack an offense. They piss and moan when they don't get the ball. They're the same player. Now, Bagley is much better than Wiseman at this point. But again, does Troy Weaver, notorious talent evaluating legend, force Monty to play guys like Wiseman and see if we can work Wiseman and Duran together? I worry that it's going to happen because I worry they go, well, the Cavs are doing it with Mobley and Allen. Yeah, it didn't really work in the playoffs. Also, Mobley's unbelievable. And none of these guys, no offense to Jalen Duran, none of them are unbelievable. None of them. So yeah, it's not going to work. But that's a risk. And then the other risk then comes is that if you plan those lineups, where's the spacing? And then that puts more pressure on guys with the ball like Cade or even Ivy. If the guys around can't shoot, then they're forced into more difficult opportunities and that impacts their field goal percentage. Smart lineups are made by smart coaches and smart teams. And it's not always just the coach. I hope Monty figures out to get the right guys into the lineups to make things make more sense. But you just never know. A few permanent monsters on this team and one is a name that you've probably never heard of. First one is Asar Thompson. We talked about him already. There's no reason if he played 32 a night, he should be a top 100 guy. Jalen Duran could easily be top 50 in 34 minutes. Easily. The other one whose translation numbers were like, what the hell is this? Malcolm Cazalon, Spanish wing point forward-ish sort of player. He's a two-way guy. He's probably not going to play very much. He's just one of those guys where when you get a lot of assists as a forward, you can shoot a little bit. You can do a few defensive things steals-wise. Fantasy games love you. So... Don't get excited about Malcolm Cazalon. I just wanted to highlight a bloke whose numbers at this point translated strongly. Let's look at their depth chart. They are going to start, I would guess, two guards, Kate Cunningham and Jaden Ivey. I haven't really spoken about Ivey much. He really took off towards the end of last season. And that was when they sort of marginalized Killian Hayes and put the ball in Ivey's hands, which is all well and good. But he's not going to have that opportunity this season. He's going to have to play off ball next to Kate. So I still don't really know what Ivy is. He was the second best rookie in points leagues last season, like 101st. I don't think people really think that. He wasn't great in category leagues, but he played better down the stretch. He's very fast. He doesn't have elite vision. He frustrated the shit out of me watching him in summer league. The inability to pass it to blokes who are in better position or better uh, situated, sorry, Thompson, to dribble the ball was frustrating. And it's made me go, man, does this guy actually know how to play within a team concept? I got a little worried about that. I have absolutely no problem taking Ivy late, but he was able to really ramp it up late last season or even last season in general because Cade was out. How he works as a second guy next to Cade, I'm not really sure. Their bench is going to be Monte Morris, who is going to be that primary backup. Morris is definitely a safer player than Ivy in terms of on-court production, but he needs to just play 34 a night to even really sniff 12-team relevance, and he's not going to do that. They... Have Killian Hayes, who I just don't think is going to play each night. And for some reason, they traded up to get a small, old point guard in the first round. Sasser might be fine. I think he's an okay defender. He's pretty, actually a pretty good defender. Smart player. But I'm always going to just criticize the capital of it. Like, why did you move up to get a position that you absolutely do not need at all for an old, small point guard? 
I don't think he's going to do much this season. Also, he had a really big game in Summer League and was trash in the other seven. Highlight real bias. Alec Burke's in that guard mix as well. At this point, I don't think they're starting a wing. They could start Asar, but I don't think they are. So Asar Thompson's a wing. There's Joe Harris. I don't even know if he's in the rotation. He might be, but we're not using him for fantasy. There's Kazalon and there's Jared Roden, their other two-way guy, who is not really an NBA caliber player, I don't think. In terms of forwards, Boyan Bogdanovic should be the starter. We've talked about him and then Isaiah Livers behind him. I'd love to see Livers get more of a chance, but my faith there is dwindling. And then Biggs, I do believe they are going to start with Alf Stewart. Is that you, Mr. Stewart? Well, who the hell else do you think it'd be? And the passport legend, Jamie Now, Stewart was shooting better before the shoulder injury. I'm not convinced he's a shooter. I also don't think he's a center. Uh, I just think he's sort of a man without a position who's best coming in as a backup big man. But they are, I think, going to try him as a starter. I'd love that they didn't. And they go full, let's go shooter at the four like Monty did in Phoenix. And he's at risk there. I wouldn't draft him in 12-team leagues, Isaiah Stewart. I just don't see... The impact, his steal rate has, which was one of the things after his rookie season, I go, man, I hated the pick when they picked him, right? And then after his rookie season, well, maybe I'm wrong. Like, he's, these steal numbers are so impressive. He's doing well. And then they're, just, they're done. They've just disappeared over two years. He's gone to like 0.4 steals a game, which makes me go, Jesus, like, does he not actually know how to do anything? Doesn't block shots, rebounds down, trying to shoot threes, hasn't really come along. I don't really rate him. Um, and then Duran, we've talked about. Then the backups are Wiseman and Bagley. I just went on about them. Do not touch them in 10, 12, or 14 team leagues. I would think that if you're basing it on current ability, Marvin Bagley should be the backup center. But if they start Asar Thompson, that means Isaiah Stewart's the backup center. But I fear that they give James Wiseman, who might be outside the top 400 in real life players in the NBA, he might get an opportunity to steal 20 minutes a night. You do not want him in fantasy. He can be, if he is playing 20, he might be a guy that gets you seven rebounds. He might get you a block. And that could be really useful for streaming purposes. But absolutely do not draft him in 10 or 12 or 14 team leagues. Um, happy to be proven wrong on it. Hope hope every player has success at all times. I just don't think it's going to happen. And if we look at the values there across on Durant and for Bazemore, Durant really does rate Cade Cunningham, but it does downgrade Monte Morris. So just be aware of that. If you are considering Cade, there is another ranking metric style out there that does elevate his numbers quite a bit. And then for Bazemore, this is my dynasty rank. There's a lot of talent here. It's got Cade top 10, Duran top 40, Asar top 50, and Jaden Ivey top 90 in a startup dynasty at the moment. You skew that towards more rebuilding and you're talking Cade top 6, Duran top 30, Asar top 30, and Ivey probably top 60. But this is trying to thread the needle. We're going to have Bazemore hopefully up in the next week or so over at Basketball Monster. If you do play Roto Leagues on Basketball Monster, we do have a separate Durant formula for Roto Leagues versus head-to-head up there as well now. So if your league settings on Basketball Monster are set to Roto and you're running the standard nine categories, plus we've also got free throws made as an option, offensive rebounds and defensive rebounds. I don't have it. The hard ones to do for Durant are three-point percentage, assist-to-turnover ratio, Uh, true shooting. They're very, very tough to get the right mix in for Durant. But those other regular counting stats, I can put those in pretty comfortably. So we've got those in there and now a Roto-based formula as well. And that, guys, will do it for me today. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app and on YouTube. Thumb it up and leave your comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.
Rocket, rocket, rocket. We can't think. We can't think. Sorry, right. Mate. Come Sorry. on, come on, come on, come on.